Welcome to Tech Junior. Uh, my name is Lee Work. I'm a full stack JavaScript developer, and I have with me. My name's Eddie, um, and I'm also a full stack JavaScript developer. And we're both juniors, and uh, in name and as developers, uh, Lee Work Junior, Eddie Otero Junior. And yeah. this is our show about being junior developers. And today we want to talk about something that is omnipresent um, to being a junior developer, and that is imposter syndrome. Yep. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Eddie uh, actually picked the the show today. Uh, he picked the topic. Yeah, um, suffer. I. Well, I, I feel like I still feel some of this on a day to day basis. Um, Something I, I felt pretty strongly as I got into um, this new career, um, go, shifting from graphic design to this, and always kind of feeling like I didn't like know enough or like I got hired for the wrong position or like you know something like that. Did you have any of that when you started? Yeah, definitely. So um, okay. First, let's uh, why don't why don't we kind of go over what imposter syndrome is uh, for anybody that doesn't know out there. Do you want to explain it or? Uh, basically, it's feeling like um, you were, as, as I kind of said, like hired for the wrong position or feel like you, um, you're putting on a facade of like you're not the person they actually wanted for the position or at least that's how I felt. And I don't yeah, know so if you want to go into any more detail than that. So a colleague of mine had a good explanation or a good anecdote for it. And he said it's the feeling of, one day you're working at your you know developer job and the boss is going to walk up to you and he's going to tap you on the shoulder or she and say uh hey we've discovered that you're not actually a developer and you're fired and <laughs> it sounds ridiculous but that's kind of the exact feeling of imposter syndrome it's just this looming cloud over you that you know uh this kind of yoda-esque self-doubt that you know we've been warned about since uh star wars movies um from from your that uh you know self-doubt is going to destroy you and and it's kind of like this negative energy that nothing you ever do is going to be good enough and you can learn and you can learn and you can learn but you're never going to learn at all which is true in a way but uh yeah so you kind of um you kind of started talking about your your kind of grip with uh or your struggle with imposter syndrome so do you want to Maybe walk that in and, and kind of tell us where that started and, and how you're dealing with it. Or Okay, so um, got, I'm still working at the my first job um, and well, let went me, through the interview. Yeah, go ahead. Let me cut you off because okay. I really feel that this is hilarious because for me, I had zero experience before I started. Yeah. You have led a team of designers for how many years? Like four or five years. Yeah, and been a designer of web content for how many years before that? Like, how many years total? Of web? Uh, eight or so years? So, almost a decade of design experience on the web. Um, an industry professional made the transition into, you know, development. The best of both worlds, like somebody that has design experience and is also an actual True Blue developer. So when I hear you say, I struggle with imposter syndrome, I'm kind of taken aback. Yeah, because this is, um, it, it's completely different. And, and uh, at least it, the way I see it, 
And um, I don't know. I'm still not fully secure in my development and coding skills. And that also feeds into other like social anxiety and things that I deal with on a daily basis. And um, just all that feeds into the imposter syndrome and magnifies it. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of why I deal with it and still kind of deal with it, even though I've been in it for a little bit now. So and I have I, an immediate a question that pops up as soon as you ahead. said that. And that's, do you have designer imposter syndrome? Is there such a thing? Nope. <laughs> you feel like you could design something like piece of cake? No problem. Yeah. I mean, like not everything I do is amazing, but at least I feel like, um, if I had, I don't know. If I was assigned to do something, I know I can do it. Okay. Though so, I, I, I'm not there yet as as far as coding goes. And I'll probably never get there. But you So know. that that's interesting that you say that. Why do you think you'll never get there as a developer? But as a designer, you're like, meh, whatever. Oh, maybe not. Ne- never is kind of a stretch. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel confident enough to do the job, but still question if I can. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense. And like when I'm drawing something or designing something that's uh, maybe bigger in scope or whatever that I've ever done before or a little bit harder, I always feel like I can, but not sure if I can actually do it. And then there's a little bit of fear there. Even when I'm building something um, coding wise, there's always a little bit of fear there. Like I know I can do that. Not completely sure how I'll get there. But then that's also part of what makes it fun. Okay. If that makes any sense. A little bit, a little bit. Um, okay. I definitely see what you're saying. Uh, there's, at least as a developer, I kind of feel like now that I've worked in it for a little while uh, in the field, definitely the the Wizard of Oz curtain has been pulled back some. And so, yeah. you know, before I got into it, I kind of had this... Uh, misconception of what it was like to be a developer and how those guys work and what all goes into it. And being in it for a little bit, uh, you start to understand that not everybody is like a grandmaster wizard sorcerer developer that kind of channels this arcane knowledge into their programming. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of people daily struggling to get their code to work. (laughs) And that's not just like other people on your team. That's, massive professionals in the industry with like huge followings that are out there admitting like, uh, I don't really know what I'm doing all the time. (laughs) And sometimes I can't get my code to work. So, yeah. Uh, So I had this idea when this way before I started as a developer, as I started as a graphic designer, I used to talk to the web developers and then um, they would tell me about these things they would build in HTML. And the whole time I, for whatever reason I would, I would just question like, how could you memorize all of that code and structure and stuff like that? Not even really thinking, Oh, you could probably Google it. So (laughs) (laughs) like, um, and also it seems super tedious and, uh, I didn't know anything about like what they were doing at the time. Like I can't sit there and type all this stuff out and I want to be creative and see color and you know, all this other stuff. Yeah. So my first, um, the first lines of code that I wrote on my way to becoming a web developer uh, was basic JavaScript manipulating HTML. And so the way that you do that with JavaScript is you access the document object 
and then you start calling these long-winded method names like get element by class name or get element by ID. And so 26 characters into this thing, you're like, man, I got to type a whole lot just to change the text on a div, you know, jQuery. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, there's there's other ways to do it, and definitely looking back on it, I feel silly because that's yeah. it's really not that bad to type you know, even that, that little bit. Yeah. I don't mind it so much anymore. But, uh, when I first started out, I definitely thought, man, I don't know if I'm ever going to get this, you know, this is, this seems like a lot to, and then having to memorize that long, uh, that long method name for that and, and how it works and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as you, as you go, obviously it gets easier and mm-hmm. you can always look it up. So, um, I, I guess I'll talk a little bit about, my struggle with imposter syndrome. Um, so I came from a wholly unrelated uh, background to web development. Um, started out as a, when I got out of college, started out as a fireman, um, became a paramedic, then a nurse. And then while, you know, working as a nurse decided, gosh, I don't want to be a nurse anymore. Uh, I want to be a programmer and had always kind of wistfully looked back at my time in college and thought, man, what if I had stuck with development and programming? Uh, you know, would I be happier now or, or, or not? And so got into the boot camp and started meeting people that were not only in professional full-time developers, but students that were becoming developers. And so my teacher, for instance, um, he had a C-sharp background and had took the boot camp. And so that was the first thing that kind of upset my expectations or preconceived notions about what it means to be a developer. Why the heck would a guy with 10 years of C-sharp experience be in a basic JavaScript bootcamp? Um, and then on top of that, I also had in my class a uh, sysadmin, like DBA kind of guy. I guess he wouldn't be a sysadmin. I guess it'd be database administrator strictly. Um, that had, you know, a CS degree already. So he had experience with C++ and C Sharp, um, could write SQL like nobody's business, obviously. Um, why was that guy in the boot camp? And then another person in the other class that was running at the same time, she had actually been doing Java, which was what I had studied in university or college, if you're American, <laughs> since, um, since I had graduated. So she had like, uh, I think since 2005, so 10, 15, 15 years of application development in Java, she was in the boot camp. So that was my first kind of world shaking reality shaking kind of realization that, well, I can't be totally wrong here because there's other developers in this boot camp, you know, that have tons of experience. So maybe it's not that easy as just look it up online. Um, and then aside from that, kind of obviously that catch 22, that classic struggle of if you don't have experience, how do you get hired? Because you need experience to get hired. And so I kind of thought, well, um, I can do well in this class, but how am I, how am I ever going to, who's going to take a chance on like a dumbass fireman basically, (laughs) um, or a nurse, you know, they're going to read that resume and go, what the heck? This guy doesn't know what he's doing. Um, and then obviously in the boot camp, I, I didn't think that I was doing that well. Oh, and really? so my, yeah, I actually thought like that I was kind of, uh, 
in the middle or in the lower middle of the class. That's how I felt. And my teacher took me aside one day and said, you're at the top of the class. Oh, really? And I said, and he said, you know that, right? And I said, no way. (laughs) Um, I couldn't believe it because I I came into it um, thinking that it's going to be really, really hard and I'm going to have to really give it everything in order to do well at it. And so I did. And it just, uh, I was getting results, but I didn't realize that I was getting results. So I thought my stuff was okay or kind of like whatever. And it was pretty good, you know, and at least in his eyes. So, um, that, that was kind of the first thing, uh, that I could say about imposter syndrome is, um, and, and he would get in front of the class and say, you guys know HTML, you know, CSS, that's enough to get a job. Oh, really? And I thought, you are a liar. (laughs) (laughs) There is no way that I'm going to get hired just to do HTML and CSS. I tell you what, there's a guy that I work with now. That's all they did for like 10 years. (laughs) So he he wasn't lying. It is true. Um, It's been most of what I've done the last two weeks. Is not like complicated JavaScript, right? It's just basic web development kind of stuff. I've been knee deep in SaaS for like a week and a half, probably two weeks. Yeah, so is is SAS like some kind of wizard, sorcery, arcane knowledge oh, kind of stuff? Oh, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> and not even the the fancy parts of SAS. Like, I'm not writing any functions or anything like that. Just, like, organizing everyone's SAS and making sure we can all use the same uh, classes and stuff like that. So making it easier for the rest of the team. That's about, yeah. that's about it. Cool. So... Yeah, I kind of rambled a little mm. bit there, but uh, yeah, yeah, my my experience with imposter syndrome is, is just I don't I didn't ever see myself succeeding, and so I tried yeah. really hard, and then in the end, I I kind of ended up succeeding anyway. Um, what about at work? Do you have your first job? I I definitely felt it. Um, I still feel it. Uh, I felt it when I got hired. Because um, I got thrown onto a code base uh, immediately that was way over my head. So my only experience was with JavaScript and React and CSS, HTML, all that good stuff. And it was a SAS, Angular, TypeScript, RxJS, Nightmare. Ionic. Ionic, yeah. Um, There may have been some more stuff in there. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, that code base was like hundreds and hundreds of files and everything was importing everywhere and it was just it took me hours to find out how to change the text in a basic element because everything was coming in from translation files yeah so yeah i definitely felt like i've made a huge mistake (laughs) <laughs> when, I, when i first looked at that code base so okay it's a good segue to me um so i was in the same code base for anyone listening um and that gave me panic attacks did it and really yeah there were well, we actually we actually had a couple um we got on at the same time on the code yeah. base and then we had like a set of user stories that we did together yes yeah so yeah. what what's your memory of that panic attacks so yeah like um i remember before because you started like a week before me 
And I remember you telling me it was like a million lines of code and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, we'll see when I get there. And then I, I opened it up, you know, I cloned the repo and whatever. And then I saw it was literally hundreds of files and all this stuff. And like, I couldn't find a damn thing and it drove me nuts. And I was like, my God, I'm was hired. And like, I, don't think they hired the right person and why am i here i can't do this i thought i was gonna do something a little simpler or like something i can actually build like i can't help these people at all and then for like the next week i would wait in my car like 10 to 15 minutes before actually walking into the office and just kind of breathe and wow cool, cool down before i actually went into the office to like work and stuff and then i was still freaking out just silently everyone thinks i'm like cool calm you know all what they the call time that. what you're like a duck on the surface of the water you're gliding exactly yeah and under the water you're kicking through your life <laughs> yeah i'm going nuts <laughs> you can but have yeah. that one for for free okay you're welcome <laughs> i've been saying at work that i need to buy everyone rubber ducks because they use me as a rubber duck uh, <laughs> <laughs> like they'll call me over to their cubicle and like uh, i need to do this this and then as they're explaining it to me they figure it out i'm like okay well you're welcome <laughs> yeah i have i have students that do that and I, I just tell them like oh so you basically needed to cuss and complain to me for about 10 minutes yeah so you, you could then go back and solve your problem on your own <laughs> like, yeah i guess so so um that's actually surprising that you were you were having uh you had to take a few minutes before you came into work i was like that for like the first month wow yeah uh, what made that better, if anything? Uh, the project being dropped. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, um, I don't want to get too detailed about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, but basically, we we got off of that code base shortly after. Yeah. Um, I definitely got upset uh, when I first got onto that code base. Um, once I got into a couple of users, you know what it was actually? It was. I got onto a file and somebody out there is going to listen to this and they're going to laugh their butt off. But uh, I got into a file and I had to change something very minute that was only kind of related to the thing that was actually in the story. But because I changed something very tiny in that file, I had to have code coverage for it. Oh and yeah. The fantastic, beautiful, wonderful developers before me, dropped in a bunch of to-do write unit tests into that file. <laughs> and so I had to test like 80% of that file and it was all like TypeScript pandas. Yeah. And so the story itself was like its own struggle, but writing the flipping unit test for it was like scaling Everest. It was so painful. And yeah. uh, I definitely sat down and thought, gosh, I barely got through the code and the unit tests are just crushing me. And so that was kind of my moment of despair. Uh, looking at that, feeling like I'm not good enough to figure this out and I don't have enough experience writing tests to understand how to do this. And for anybody out there um, that's kind of not messed with unit tests on front end development. Yeah, learning fr unit tests. Fronting, front end uh, testing is an art <laughs> it's yeah. uh it's very difficult because 
it's not as simple as testing a pure function where you just, oh, I expect this output from this input. You have often a lot of side effects that are included. Um, there's a lot of mocking data that's coming in because your components are reacting to changes in state and they're updating other things. And so it, it gets to be kind of its own monster. And so coming into that as a new developer um, is a very trying experience. <laughs> but uh, I, I got on with um, with our team lead and we had a, uh, a sit down like paired coding session. And after about like two hours, <laughs> we were able to get through most of the the code coverage for it. So, yeah, I, cause I've the last week I've been also other than the SAS writing unit test. Okay. And it's been, it's been a struggle like to the point where I like, I had to ask my lead to sit down with, with me and then some other members of the team sat down with us and went through some of the unit tests. And just trying to figure that out, I like ended up buying a Udemy course and sitting like going through most of that. Wow! And yeah, just so I could get better at it. I don't want to like and because just to submit a pull request, we have we need coverage. Right. So um, I just want to be able to do my job, and then that's also feeds into uh, the imposter syndrome. Like I want to be able to do this and know I can do it. Otherwise, I feel like I'm, you know. It, it it starts digging into my brain and <laughs> and then more panic attacks start happening but maybe, i'm um, trying to avoid all that so maybe you can explain code coverage for everybody out there that's not familiar so you need a certain amount of um tests per it, there are different levels so you have line coverage you have branches what is the other one for functions so yeah you need certain coverage for all your functions you have to write tests for every function then you have um code coverage per line and there's a percentage for each one of these and um for at least where i work is 80 percent on every single um part portion so functions lines and your branches have to be over 80 percent and a branch is like if you have an if statement and you need to cover each part of that the if and the else um and then that that and then the hardest part lately has been writing a test for a promise so yeah that, that's yeah, been so a that's pain in the part ass. of the mock data that exactly. i was talking about so that's the biggest pain in the butt um and then getting that and that usually like at least in your branches and whatnot you if you cover it then you, you kind of shoot up there so, um, but yeah, that's basically the, the test. So basically how I got in trouble before is, um, when I added that code in, uh, for that user store I was working on, uh, it made those numbers dip a little bit. And mm -hmm. then that led to the rabbit hole of, Hey, well, you didn't test any of this file, so you need to fix all of yeah. this. And there's, there's often, um, you may have it work where they set up certain hooks that will fire off before um, you're able to commit code. And so it may run all your unit tests. It may run your linter um, and just kind of scan all your files and make sure that everything's up to a certain standard before you're able to sign off on whatever task you've been given and say that it's complete. And so that happened to me. And then I had to clean up somebody else's mess. 
And uh, if if I find you out there, <laughs> I will probably give you a dressing down. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> it might be on the show. So yeah, or have you on the show <laughs> so I can just uh, tear you up one side and down the other. So <laughs> actually, at work now we've um, we're moving very uh, quickly with development, and so we haven't been able to do a lot of unit testing. Okay. And so that that is actually giving me anxiety. Yeah. Because I'm thinking, um, not only uh, am I missing out on getting a lot of experience writing front end tests, but uh, it's going to be probably pretty daunting of a task to get to that at some point. Or we're going to get some kind of bug that happens and testing would easily catch. But because we don't have sufficient testing, it's going to be very painful to find that bug. Yeah. Yeah. It can. It- yeah, especially it's much easier to do as you're developing because you, you're more familiar with it. But then to go back after and then having to. Yeah, and you go, yeah, exactly. This? Oh, the commit says I wrote it. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> um, what is view used for testing? So there's um there's view testing utilities, okay. uh, which is its own library. Um, but then there is also uh, Jest that you can okay. use which is supposed to be like a zero configuration testing suite. Um, and then you could probably use uh, Mocha with some kind of view configuration if you wanted to. So I think Mocha is kind of agnostic and you you configure it to test whatever it is you, that you need. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. And if I am, somebody will probably tweet about it. <laughs> <laughs> so just... Uh, so. No, I was just going to say just... For people to know, um, I've been testing in Jasmine and Karma, so okay. Angular. So, what were you gonna ask me now? So I was just gonna say, um, maybe we could kind of now that we've shared our experience, talk about uh, some other things to do with imposter syndrome. Um, chief among them, I kind of want to talk about Dan Abramov's post on his uh, overreacted blog okay. about all the things that he doesn't know. So you had a chance to read through that? I haven't read through it, but I skimmed through it, and some of the stuff was kind of surprising. Like the there's Node, uh, modern CSS that you know, and then... yeah. So first of all, Dan Abramov yeah, is a React core team member. Uh, he's the guy, uh, the um, unimposing but well known uh, guy that gets up on all the conferences and starts talking about new React features. So most recently, he gets up on stage and kind of shows off hooks. Uh, Before that, he wrote Redux and kind of shocked the world with time travel debugging. Um, Obviously, a very smart guy. And he wrote a blog post about all the stuff that he doesn't know and feels bad about not knowing. And he's doing this to address imposter syndrome. So he says, things I don't know as of uh, 2018, a little bit older of a post, but um, some of these are like shocking. So you mentioned Node. Yeah. Um, he feels bad about uh, CSS, <laughs> <laughs> which is funny. Um, TypeScript, he he says. Uh, what else? Containerization, he hasn't touched. Uh, some... Unix commands and Bash. Yeah. Python, Node, obviously, he said. So for a guy that wrote or had a, a large hand in creating Create React app, it's pretty funny that he says he doesn't understand 
like how to build an API with with Node. <laughs> I think that was like the most surprising part of all of this. This is, I I mean it, it seems like the one of the first things you would do when you're learning Node, and then you use Node to use uh, create React app. I guess not. Uh, that's that's interesting. But yeah, the, the the point of it is that even a guy like that, he's not master of the universe. No, definitely. Yoda esque in his knowledge, where he can just sit back and and shoot master code out of his fingers or anything. Uh, it doesn't work like that. And and going back to all the people that were in boot camp with me, um, that had a ton of developer experience. Just because you've been a developer for a long time doesn't mean you know it yeah. all. You know, just because you're experienced in JavaScript, that doesn't mean that you can sit down and write Java or C sharp or Python. Would you maybe have an easier time of it? Sure. Yeah. But does that automatically, you know, grant you the knowledge of how to do those things? No. So, yeah, um, I really appreciate Dan writing that. Um, I really feel like everybody should take that advice to heart that not everybody knows everything. And if you do think that you know everything, maybe it's time to hang it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I would suggest a lot of junior developers read this. This is super interesting and, and inspiring. Yeah. We'll, um, we'll link it on the, uh, the show notes for the post. Yeah. Um, the other one I wanted to, to point out was, uh, Something that I love to beat on, which is the uh, developer roadmap. Okay. Oh yeah, that thing. Looks, so that thing is insane. So um, people still, I, I see this get sent around every once in a while. Hey, here's the thing you should do. Oh, you want to be a developer? Here, look at this. There are a ton of YouTube videos on this too. Are there really? Yeah. I haven't, I haven't watched that. On on just like so it's basically this year, and these are the things you should. We think you should learn and blah. You know, it. it just okay. Like yeah. That yeah. Kind of thing. So what this guy did was he made a giant flow chart and it's everything that, you, okay, you want to be a front end developer? Here's everything you should learn. And he just kind of walks through all the technology, but the size of it, it's like 10,000 pixels long of just maybe a hundred, 200 boxes, maybe. And all the boxes look like, um, they came from a comic book. Yeah. Okay, so like yeah, if, narrator, you're, uh, comic if you're a comic book, book fan, um, it kind of has yeah. that look. But Which is cool. So just reading through it, um, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, no surprise to anybody. Uh, and so he's got um, optional paths with light orange, and then the yellow is like the uh, things that you have to know. So branching off of those three, NPM, Yarn, Package Manager, CSS preprocessors like SAS, CSS Frameworks, Bootstrap, CSS Architecture like BIM, Build Tools, Linters, Formatters, Pretty Reescalant, Module Bunners, Task Runners, Webpack, Redux, Mobex, React, RxJS, View, Testing, Jest, Enzyme, Cypress, Unit Integration, Functional Testing, Type Checkers, TypeScript, React, uh, Next.js, React Native, Gatsby.js, um, Lighthouse, Storage, WebSockets, Service Workers, and I haven't even hit all of them. So it it's just who knows all this stuff first of all. I want to meet this person. <laughs> because I I don't think that it's even by the time you learn all of this, the first half that you learn is going to be outdated. Yeah. And you're probably not going to have enough time to keep up to date on all of these things. 
Uh, some of them are, are just kind of silly, like using Lighthouse. Oh, really? Um, that's built, it's built into DevTools yeah. in Chrome. So if you right-click and inspect and then click on the Audits tab, uh, it's, all you have to do is click Run, and it will tell you how bad your website is. Um, TypeScript, some people don't even use. So you pick a framework. Uh, some people He's like... got a React highlighted over the other two. Yeah, those those are his suggestions. Okay. But uh, in any case, it's, first of all, daunting. So if you get into web development or you're looking to get into it, don't look at this thing. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just going to depress you and maybe discourage you from learning. Yeah. Um, you don't need to know all this stuff to be a developer. And like I said before, the guy that works behind me, um, doing the same job I'm doing, he did nothing but CSS and HTML and maybe a little bit of SAS really? for many years. Yeah. So he didn't even do JavaScript until he got hired with us. Wow. And so you don't need all this other stuff necessarily. Yeah. I, it and, depends uh, on the job though, right? Sure. Um, is it now the flip side of that is you should know what this stuff is. Um, if you read through this flowchart and you see something, you're like, Man, what in the heck is BEM? Go look it up. Um, get on Google, find out about it. Uh, listen to a couple idiots like us talk about it. Um, watch a YouTube video, whatever, and kind of have a, a base knowledge of, of maybe what these things are. But you don't need to be an expert in them by any stretch. Um, so like Webpack, for instance. Uh, you can get by just fine without knowing anything about Webpack um, because there's so many great tools out there that do that for yeah. you. So we've got um, Parcel, which is not Webpack, but does something similar, but kind of automated. And then Create React App, for instance, does all the Webpack configuration for you. Uh, Next.js um, is going to create a, a server that will bundle all your files uh, for you and serve them and even handle routing. So there, there's a lot of tooling that's getting much better for front-end developers nowadays. Um, and so you don't necessarily even need that so i mean definitely take this with a, a giant boulder size grain of salt if if you're brave enough to look at this stupid chart i would say <laughs> it's a, a cool tool if you want to get into something else and see what like the where you should start maybe or like if you want to yeah, get into like i'm looking at um, progressive web apps and then it says storage web sockets service workers that's probably where you should start and then, like, there are other things there Definitely. after that. Yeah, so if you're interested in, in an area, you're like, hmm, man, I haven't tested anything. Uh, let me look at the testing your app section. Yeah. Okay, so he recommends Jest, Enzyme, and Cypress. Maybe I'll take a look at those. Hmm, unit integration functional, understand the different types of testing. I guess that's what he's talking about. So it's kind of a good jumping yeah. off point for if you wanted to learn about one of these areas. But uh, don't take it as gospel. Yeah, by definitely. Any, by any means. Yeah. And I think even Jest Enzyme and, and Cypress, um, I, I see some contention about whether or not Jest is like the top of the 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 litter. Okay. And then certainly, you know, a few years ago, like Mocha was a huge deal. So. Okay. Like I, I've seen Jest around a lot, and like on YouTube, just looking into unit tests recently, and and um, right. I know we learned Mocha and Chai in the boot camp, which. I didn't pay attention 
very much during that time <laughs> because we were working <laughs> on something else. Uh, right. But yeah, just recently, uh, Jasmine's and Karma has been a thing I've been digging into. But yeah, I I think this is a good, like you said, a jumping off point if you wanted to look a little deeper into a subject if you wanted to uh, like expand your skills or whatever. Yeah, like I said before, you should know uh, generally what these things are yeah. for and maybe what they do, but you don't have to have working knowledge of them per se before. So definitely don't look at this thing and think, oh gosh, I have to learn all of these things before I can apply for a job. That is 100% the wrong direction to take from it. Um, if you can build a website, go apply for a job. Uh, that is enough. That's the end goal. If you can make a site, um, it can be an ugly site. Uh, that's why you have beautiful people like Eddie <laughs> that can design it. Um, you just have to turn the designs into code. Yep. So if you can look at a picture and go, hmm, yeah, I think I can figure out how to do CSS for that. Uh, somebody out there needs your help. So start applying. Um is, do you, am I wrong? No, you're totally but, right. Yeah. I, like, okay. <laughs> and we're not talking about building something in Wix or whatever. Or yeah, yeah totally. build an actual website like hand coded with HTML, CSS, little JavaScript. The best thing about Wix, and I'm I'm 100% ripping this off uh, conversation I heard from Wes Boss and Scott Zelinsky, was if you're a developer and you have a family member that needs a website, <laughs> I know you tell going. that person about Wix. <laughs> <laughs> hey hey uh lee you're a developer right uh i have a great app idea oh yeah well let me tell you about this website wix you can get on there and build your own website and do whatever you want with it and it's cheap much cheaper than me that's <laughs> so oh man that's amazing that's a really good idea i like it didn't even occur to me but yeah i think that's why that's why we see so many ads for that yeah uh maybe either that or the the algorithms for ads are just so poor that you search anything web development and it starts popping up with yeah like, that's a little annoying i hate those ads it, maybe it's for the people that are getting into web development and they're like i'm, I'm just going to do it myself and then they're like man this is hard how do i do this and that starts popping up wix and squarespace ads maybe it's working like, oh, i guess because i could do that they pop up a lot that are like the yeah. Udemy videos which those are okay i guess i mean so annoying ads are annoying in general yeah fair enough so the last uh article that i wanted to mention was this one um by a fellow named andre on medium and he's he's got a post called don't be a junior developer and this thing is kind of a hot take for uh just to kind of get people's blood pressure up and also to sell his own course that he's got on Udemy or whatever. Is it a but, course um, to get you to be an intermediate developer? Is it really? I think it is actually. It's like go from junior to intermediate and follow my steps I mean, and I'll, I'll show you the way. You'd never had a job on. before you're going to start as a junior developer. <laughs> it's kind of hard to skip that. Yeah. So kind of the, there's, there's two sides to this coin. Um, the first is, uh, as, as a new developer, you're obviously yeah. a junior developer, right? But nobody wants to hire a junior developer. And so when you start pitching yourself as a junior, you're not only devaluing your own skills, but you're kind of 
like cutting yourself out of opportunities by doing that. So the best advice that I've ever heard on this is don't determine your own skill set. That's why you have interviews. You let the employer determine what your skills are and if you're a right fit for their company. So they're interviewing you to see if you're a good fit for them. And then likewise, you're interviewing them to see if you want to work there. So don't couch yourself out. Don't put progress bars on your resume. Do not do that. Say, well, I'm I 10% at those. Node. Those are crap. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, so, yeah, don't, don't or percentages sell yourself short or anything is, like is kind of the... It's, this isn't a video game. Yeah, don't yeah. do that. <laughs> <laughs> I need to level up. So um, the other side to this is... Uh, if you don't have experience, um, how are you going to get experience? How are you going to kind of like sell yourself up to the next level? Um, and so he has, uh, some, what I would call bad advice. And he says, uh, so he, he goes through a little, um, a little pep talk first. And then he says, Oh, but you still think you're a junior developer. If that's the case, then, best thing to do is improve your skills until you're an intermediate developer and then you should start applying to jobs i mean i don't think you're ever going to feel like you're there like you should just apply right away exactly yeah yeah, so this is this is nonsense um like like we said if if you can build a website um you have a valuable skill and people are are in need of that so um by all means improve your skills go out and learn more stuff um, but apply to jobs while you're doing it and eventually you'll get picked up somewhere. Uh, so there, if you take this path of, I can only apply when I'm ready, you're never going to apply because I still don't feel ready. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. <laughs> I feel like I, I, I totally agree. Yeah. I feel like I could hack it out and kind of like struggle through, but, uh, I, I don't feel as if I'm there yeah. per se. And you know I would I mean? say, like, getting the position I have now as well, I, I interviewed a few times for other places. And I, like, those failed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, maybe I'm not ready. I should wait a little bit. And then, you know, I got it through uh, someone else from my boot camp also, I mean, working there and helped me get the interview. Then I ended up getting it. But, um, yeah, had, had I... Honestly, if I hadn't, if that hadn't happened, I would still felt like I wasn't ready and then just continued just working on stuff and waiting a little bit. Cause I was at about that point where I was like, maybe I should wait like two or three months and work on more stuff before I start applying again. But you know, like you said, you should just keep applying right. and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, the best thing you can do yeah. is learn on the job. So, I mean, you can try and work a full-time job and then study web development in your off hours, but it's always going to be on the periphery. And if you can get paid to do, you know, that, that self-improvement, why wouldn't you do that? Um, I, I don't see a negative to it. Uh, so he, he, I kind of wanted to blast that one point in his article, but the rest of it, if you read it is kind of what we're saying. I just feel like it's kind of oh, okay. poorly written. Um, and he, he kind of talks about 
what they say? If you apply for junior developer roles, the best case scenario, you become a junior developer. If you apply for intermediate developer roles, the best case scenario, you become an intermediate okay. developer. So it, well yeah, done. You're right. <laughs> so it's it's basically what you were just saying. Um don't market yourself as a junior developer and just wait and see what exactly. happens. Just apply for what you I guess feel like you're qualified. Well, maybe not feel like you're qualified. Like apply what you can can do, I guess. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, this whole this whole Padawan uh, Jedi Master thing that we have in development where we classify each other as yeah. junior and senior and stuff doesn't exist to the real world. Um, you can either do the job or you can't. Can you build this product? Yeah. Yes or no. And and that's really, you know, there's senior developers out there that write bad code and make bad decisions and architect things poorly, just as well as there's junior developers out there that write rockstar code and slap stuff together and it's perfect. So you can't classify somebody based on years of experience. Uh, that doesn't yeah, matter. I've seen that in the really. design world as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it's probably more, more prevalent there because it's kind of subjective yeah. and artistic kind of thing. Whereas people think of coding as you go into some kind of mountain and then you <laughs> learn from a master and you come out and you, you know, Kung Fu, but, um, but yeah, you you know, at the end of the day, you're you're doing logic, and logic is not something that uh, is some kind of arcane art or something. It's just can can you reason about something? Can you solve a problem? Can you solve a puzzle? And th and that's what programming is. You're solving a problem for somebody. So if you can solve problems well, you can code well. And you can get a job doing that. Yep. Just got to put yourself out there, basically. And uh, keep trying. And yeah, network. <clears throat> super important. <laughs> yeah, so why don't, we, why don't we talk about how to overcome imposter syndrome? And if, and if we have any advice. I don't know. That. I'm still trying to work on it. But uh, <laughs> Well, ha have you done anything that's made it better um, for you? So how about that? Probably like just studying um, and then uh, working on the like uh, we do a lot of angular work where I'm at and I just did a bunch of angular courses and try to get try to do my best to get familiar with it. It also helped going through a project and having it completed and it being a success that helped because we built a site for the company and then uh, that worked out really well. And I had a big part in that. That made me feel better. So yeah, yeah, definitely. small wins, right? And um, yeah. And then like, as far as, um, cause there, there are other things other than coding outside of coding that um, where I have the same feeling. And this is one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast and, um, and Okay. I'm trying to do talks. Like I did a Photoshop talk at work that went really bad, but um, I <laughs> I did it, and I want to do another one. So and then eventually do it at a meetup. But we'll like we'll get there eventually. Yeah, one day I'm gonna convince I'm gonna convince Eddie to to give out some design. Yeah, we'll get show. there eventually. But, uh, um, yeah, <laughs> we're getting there. So yeah, yeah small wins definitely. Um. So what you said before was uh, I had a couple interviews and they didn't go so well. And then I felt like I needed to take a break from applying and go yeah. into a cave and learn. And do you think you would have been ex as successful if you had done that instead of taking the no, job that you have now? No, I think um, 
Because I was those other interviews kind of prepared me for the one that I ended up getting. So the I think the bad ones kind of help inform you and push you toward the one you end up landing. Do you think you would have come as far as a developer if you had not taken the position that you no, didn't feel I'm, you were I'm ready not, for? No, uh, I I I'm much better now than I would have been if I had not taken it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, I feel 100% the same way. Um, I didn't feel like I was ready beforehand, but I definitely learned a ton of stuff on the job. A lot better so, at Git, uh, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, definitely that. So yeah. some things you just can't get from from doing tutorials, you know, or from building your own small projects. Uh, you can't get a ton of experience with Git uh, and, you know, maybe not testing exactly. because you're not motivated to. Um, there's certainly things out there like open source projects you can contribute to, yeah. to also get like that experience, just but working in a team, um, helps a lot. Oh yeah. About agile. I had no experience with that beforehand. Yeah. So you're not going to get any agile experience yeah. if you're off on your own doing something like you got to yeah. work for yeah. a team, you know, I'm, I'm trying, uh, we're about to do, um, like training for, um, to be a scrum master and stuff like that. So that's kind of exciting. Um, I look forward to that. Cool. So definitely, um, just going out there and getting whatever experience you can get is one thing. Uh, don't turn down any opportunities. Uh, also just kind of getting a wide breadth of knowledge mm -hmm. of the field. So when I was in uh, fire school, there was a guy, an instructor that got in front of us one day and he said, guys, you have to be a, how do you say? a student of the game or something like that. And that totally sounded dumb to me, but he was talking about like, you know, I sit down on the John at home and I read through fire magazine <laughs> or whatever. Fire magazine? I was like, what kind of fanboy like maniac are you? <laughs> yes, there is. There's firehouse magazine and uh, all kinds of them. But uh, I just kind of thought, um, who is going to work this job all day, all night and go home and want to read about it? And that's the people that are successful at it is the people that are steeped in it and they are excited about it and they want to read more about it and learn more about it and just be in it all day, every day. And if that's how you feel about development, you know, that's the kind of attitude that you need to have. Listen to podcasts, read articles about it, jump on Twitter, follow all these, you know, developers that you can find or that have yeah. anything interesting to say. Uh, if you see somebody on YouTube that gives like an awesome tutorial or something, or you like their teaching style, follow them on Twitter, um, kind of get a wide breadth of knowledge. And if you listen to enough professionals talk about this stuff long enough, you're going to start to pick up things. So when I was in uh, school or the boot camp, um, I didn't know what SAS was. I didn't know what BEM was. I didn't know what integration testing meant. Uh, I didn't know what the heck a unit test was. And slowly, just by being exposed to this stuff over and over again through, you know, listening to people talk about it, you begin to understand it. And that goes a long way to, I feel, defeating that imposter syndrome thing where you feel like you don't know, you know, you can't hang in a conversation, yeah. basically. So, so definitely becoming a student of the game, as dumb as that sound, um, it, it can be very helpful. Uh and then I think the, the other thing is to not only go home and, and build your apps, 
but also show them off to people and teach it to somebody. So like Eddie and I are doing this podcast. Um, I've given some talks. Um, I have a meetup. Uh, Eddie has given some talks at work. Um, go out, put yourself out there, explain what you know to other people. They're probably going to appreciate it and it's going to help you be able to talk about technology and that's going to help reinforce that you do belong where you're at. Yeah. So, um, I think that's all I've got on imposter syndrome. Um, it'll, it'll kind of eat your lunch for a while, but yeah, it, it gets it, better. It'll get better. Just something that and, comes with and don't, time. Don't get discouraged if everybody fails, you know, it's stuff. Eddie failed at some interviews. I failed at some interviews. Uh, take that stuff and learn from it and, and keep, keep, uh, plugging away and you'll yep. get hired eventually. Take your time, breathe and, uh, good thoughts yes. breathe in your car before work. Yeah. 10 minutes of meditation. I did it for every yeah. day. Yeah. Panic, it, it, sweat. It, it helps. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, um, yeah, you want to, you want to move into, uh, the, the good old nerd minute? Uh, sure. The only thing I really have is Endgame. Did you watch it? I saw it today. You Really? I, yes. So I saw it. Uh, it ruined my day. Um, Why? I wanted, I wanted to come home and oh, cry in the like shower. Four hours. Oh, okay. Uh, just because it was obviously the end of an era and yeah. a lot of those actors are not going to be in future films. Um, so that that was it's kind of that feeling of you read a good book and then you spend a lot of time with those characters and you feel like you're very close to them and then it ends and you just kind of get that like uh you know that that feeling of emptiness yeah. afterwards. It was great though. I loved it. It it was good. Did you it have was to, uh, bittersweet. Um get up for the bathroom at any point? No, I uh I didn't drink anything beforehand uh, and didn't eat any popcorn, didn't drink any soda. Man. I went in there dry and uh, <laughs> I just uh, sat through it. So I don't think I could have like left the theater at any point to, to pee if I, if I had to, I didn't want to miss anything. Neither did I. Um, but I like made sure my daughter used the bathroom before we left the house, before the movie started. <laughs> oh my gosh. And yeah, cause I didn't want to get up either. And then, pee, um, pee now or, or don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, it was really good. I so I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. No, that no, listen. don't. But I almost cried like three times. Uh, it was very emotional. Yeah, it was incredibly emotional. Um, a lot of payoff. It felt like for a lot of the characters. Yeah. So a lot of um, character development happened. Uh, a lot of storylines that have kind of or character arcs that have been set up for like a decade uh, paid off in that film. So. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about was it was a very comic book, comic book movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the first Avengers film was a very paint by numbers, Avengers assemble and punch stuff kind of movie. This one had punching and the rah, 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 a fight lot of scenes, punching at the end, <laughs> but it was not that film. It was definitely the these characters have been through a lot. And this is how it has affected them. Which is why I like this better than Infinity War. Because I I love the 
I love the dialogue and and stuff like it. I I like I like the fight scenes and whatnot, but like story and dialogue are the things that I I like love comic books for. Um, are you are you a big Kevin Smith fan? Yes, I mean yeah, <laughs> I I love Kevin Smith. Of um, course. So <laughs> looking forward to the Jay and Silent Bob reboot movie. Really? Yeah. Did you know that poor, was happening? Poor Jay looks rough, man. <laughs> I don't well, know what that guy has been through, but a lot of drugs. Age has not treated past. him well. Um, you're well. There's a uh, podcast they used to do. I don't know if they still do it. Um, Jay and Silent Bob get old. Uh, makes sense because and, they did. Yeah, and basically he talks about his. He'll they start the podcast with like um a portion where he's talking about like a really crappy story when he was addicted to drugs. And then the, the second half is like a crazy sex story. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And then they do things on stage and whatnot. It's 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 a live show at the same time. I should it's, tweet Kevin Smith and see if he'll come on the podcast. He might. He might. He <laughs> likes to talk. You think so? I don't he know. does like to talk. He I don't, is a talker. Yeah, 100%. yeah, yeah. Definitely. I don't know what he can contribute tech wise, but it would just be an hour of nerd minute. It would oh, be nerd yeah, that, I would definitely do that. I, I don't listen, think he cares about web development. I listen or to programming three <laughs> of his podcasts. At least I used to. I well, I and I've been to um, a Hollywood Babylon as well, which is pretty cool. Um, they, they did one in Orlando because his mom lives close to Orlando. Yeah, I mean it's Florida. It's where America goes to die. So yeah, all the retirees live here. So, but yeah, Infinity, uh, not Infinity War, um, Endgame was great. I love that, uh, like, I was not exposed to any of these trailers or anything. I had no idea what the story was going to be. Super pleasantly surprised at what it ended up being. I don't want to give it away in case anyone else doesn't know. I, I had a, an inkling of what it was going to be about because they sold it as, um, first of all, the Ant-Man movie that, uh came out before endgame yeah um kind of hinted at the plot and then also um you kind of know going in that like some people aren't going to make it out and then no i not that part but like i I don't want to say what it was but um the the everything they do to fix things is the part that i'm talking about i didn't expect it to be like that yeah, it it did subvert my expectations, and they they kind of go head first at that, uh, in the first twenty minutes of the movie, and yeah. just kind of change what you think it's going to be, but then at the end of the movie, it comes back to a massive fight scene anyway. So you kind of <laughs> you still get that. So, but again, the they've really leaned into the comic book stuff. Yeah, I thought um, so, the Hulk was really good. Yeah, so that version of the Hulk <clears throat> exists in the comics. Yeah. Um, they've done a lot of... The Hulk's been around for a long time, so a lot of different versions of the character. Um, so uh, he, they kind of do the She-Hulk thing with him. Um, and then Thor uh, has been through a whole lot in the movie. Yeah. And then uh, in the comics. And i feel like they've taken maybe some of the best bits of some of the recent comic arcs in the past you know 10 or 20 years uh in marvel and kind of rolled them into the movie and yeah. i'm excited to see what they're gonna do with um 
with the Avengers going forward. Yeah, with the teams. I mean, there has to be like. right because it's it's made more money than Avatar at this point. So, really? Yeah, I saw that today. I'm so happy about that. I hate that movie. So, there, <laughs> <laughs> so there's gonna there has to be more like the money demands it. There has to be more Marvel Avengers films, but I don't know what we're gonna get because you know the the best actors have kind of signed off on it. Yeah, but like. Eh, we'll see what happens, I guess. Because we still got Spider-Man. Well, I'm not going to say anything. I'll stop. Um, well, there is a new Spider-Man movie. Yeah, okay. It's, so, it's yeah, announced, I'm not so. giving anything away there. Hey, there's going to be Spider-Man. So. He's really good. Um, and I, I'm curious to see what the next villain's going to be. Yeah, it's kind of hard to to top uh, Thanos killing half of the universe. They, yeah. Kind of, they've really stepped it up from Someone that, that can be... Su- although... They have um, Fox now, so they have Galactus back. Okay. So that could uh, be something. If they get fair. the Fantastic Four and, you know, well, they have my, the Fantastic Four, so they have to make a movie now. My hopes and dreams of ever seeing a good Fantastic Four movie have been dashed over and over again, so <laughs> I do not hold out hope for that. I mean. Uh, and then the the X Men. Did you think you were like gonna a, get a good Ant Man movie? And those have been pretty good. I've never been an Ant Man fan. Um, Neither have I. Was um, well, but I love the Ant Man movie. Yeah, and Paul Rudd is, you wouldn't think, but an amazing fit for the Marvel movies. Yeah. Uh, my other thing would be it would like Doctor Strange. Not the best oh, movie, but I mean, still I love that movie. Really? Yeah. That oh, okay. that just Benedict Cumberbatch is a perfect Doctor Strange, and his uh, his character and his um, what's the word I'm looking for? His portrayal of Doctor Strange has made me want to read more Doctor Strange comics. Oh well, there you go. Because I, I like I wouldn't have thought those be like the best movies but i enjoyed i enjoy all these movies even the bad ones i I feel as though the um the lesser known characters or the less beloved characters give them more creative license yeah i was just gonna say that like uh, a better freedom yeah Yeah. so if you do a captain america movie it's kind of like you have to paint by numbers kind of those have been great though winter soldier is probably my favorite comic book movie ever yeah you know uh the first one was weak i feel well, and they had to get there, but I, it's still bad because I like I grew up watching all those really crappy um, Captain America movies where he had like the motorcycle helmet. Yeah, and, have you uh, seen the live action where he has the motorcycle helmet? Yeah, yeah, I've seen all From, of like those. the '60s. Yeah, and he had there's it's one with, like, how far a, we've come. a clear shield with like red stripes and a star on it. It's it's that sounds terrible. I like when I was in Seattle, there was a Marvel exhibit. And they had the suit from one of those movies and it turned pink because it's because all the blue is kind of like the the ink or whatever the dye they use to dye the spandex is faded to pink. Oh, okay. It was like purplish pink kind of color. Huh. Uh, Yeah, it's but those movies are super bad. And I thought they were just going to mess it up again when that movie came out and my expectations were super low. And I was like pleasantly surprised. And I, I really liked that movie. Yeah, the um the Marvel movies, uh they kind of did a very by the numbers 
superhero kind of stuff for the first arc or the first grouping of films. And mm-hmm. as we've gotten more of them, I think they've gotten more uh, emboldened to take creative direction with it. So if you had asked me when Iron Man came out, hey, are we going to have Guardians of the Galaxy or any kind of uh, cosmic Marvel movies? I would have said absolutely not. There's no way because I, I couldn't envision people being interested in that, like the very fantastical version of space and uh, all the bizarre cosmic stuff like Thanos, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, big grimace looking dude uh, as one of the characters calls him. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't have picture <laughs> audiences taking that seriously or getting invested in it. And they they pulled it off. So I, I stand corrected. Yeah, he's probably the best villain in the MCU. Like, he's he's such a dumb villain though if you read the comics yeah uh, in the comics yeah that that story so, is kind of not great he's so evil in uh the actual like what's it called the infinity gauntlet yeah i think is the arc um so if you read that it's it's very different um and then the all the space stuff in there is this weird blend of magic and space and Drax of the Destroyer is a <laughs> really bizarre character in the comics. He's mm-hmm. um he's green uh, and he comes back from the dead. And there's, there's all kinds of wacky stuff. Yeah. Thanos um, has like a love affair with like literal death. Yeah. But, Nebula is like a zombie. Uh, yeah. And uh, who I mean, ends up getting that's well, I, I was going to get into spoilers, but um <laughs> Yeah. But in the comic, anyway, she ends up getting the uh, the Infinity Gauntlet for like a little bit. And yeah, so the the comic definitely is them. very different. So, but yeah, it, it's it's a it's a really good movie. I want to see it again. I yeah, I would watch it again. Um, like I said, it, it definitely went some places that I wasn't expecting and it, it very much shows the characters being affected by all the, the trauma that they've been through. Mm-hmm. And you pretty much want to cry for like the back two hours of it. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of did. Cool. So, um, anything else that you, uh, have been through lately or mm, seen or not really? Or? Okay. I know Mortal Kombat 11 just came out. I haven't played it yet. I haven't even played 10. I I have that. I played 9 uh, and I liked it. But 9's I, really good. The story modes are what I like. Like the game itself. I like I'm not really good at fighting games. Me neither, so I'm very but hesitant. Those, those story modes are pretty good. Okay. You think like it's worth f- playing 10 for just the story mode? I would think so. Yeah. I played through about half of it and I, I like that. I like I played through Injustice. I was going to bring that up. Very, very similar game, uh, at least the story modes. And those, it's really good. I, I really like those. So I own Injustice, but I haven't played it yet. It's good. The story mode's worth playing. Superman goes nuts. Yeah, that was the uh, the gist of it. Like Joker yeah, kills Lois Lane like, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like an Elseworld kind of thing. So playing cool. with the different dimensions and things like that gotcha pretty cool cool Cool. so uh do you want to wrap it there uh yeah all right so again i'm lee Wark jr uh full stack developer and i'm eddie full stack developer (laughs) 
<laughs> and we'll, this is Tech Junior, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. All right. Bye.